uh, a handout that they passed out, something to write with in, in the Bible. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together this morning. Thank you that we can have fun uh, sharing and uh, sharing our Bible knowledge, answering questions. Uh, thank you for the knowledge that, that you have given us. And we ask that all, all those details and knowledge uh, would, would bear fruit spiritually, that we would be more like Jesus Christ, not just people who, who know facts. Uh, help us now this morning as we hear from your son, Jesus Christ himself, from Mark, and uh, that we would be teachable, humble, and that you would focus our hearts on his second coming, and that would affect how we live now, today, and that it would, uh, it would change our hearts to anticipate his coming as we grieve our own sins now and, and the, the brokenness that we see in this world, that we would await his appearing and that we would embrace him as Lord and Savior. So bless our time in, in the Gospel of Mark this morning. Thank you for all these students who are here. And, uh, and we just, again, thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Uh, I know it's been a while since we had our Sunday school. The last one was, not including last Sunday, but our last Sunday school was all the way back in March. So what's that? Eight, nine months? Ten months? No, 11 months. Because it's, Right? Yeah, we did it in January for like one, one Sunday. Uh, but the, the last, the last, last Sunday school uh, that we had sequentially, officially, was all the way back in March, 11 months ago. And then we were able to come back for one Sunday in January, but then we had to take a break because of, of, uh, of COVID, right? And then we finally got to come back last Sunday. You guys remember last Sunday? We had Pastor Scott with us. We had a great time asking him questions. Uh, who was here last Sunday? Okay, if, if you missed it, uh, you missed a great Q&A with, with Pastor Scott. Um, what did you find most helpful from that Q&A? Anyone that you remember? Helpful, convicting? Yes, Katrina. Oh, yeah, yeah, his advice for the seniors, right, transitioning, and then his advice when it, when it comes to dating. So, great. Uh, what, what else? What else did you guys find helpful, encur encouraged by, convicted by, appreciated about our pastor? Testimony. What's a testimony? Huh? What's a testimony? Like the story of coming, their story of coming to Christ. Yeah. What did you like about it? How, like, he wasn't really, like, born, a, not born into a Christian family, or, like, born into a Christian family, but then, like, over the time, he, like, how he was really sinful, and, like, because I would never think about that as our pastor. 
could be like super sinful when he was a kid, but he was, and then he like changed over time. Yeah, yeah, the Lord had to change him. Yeah, he wouldn't be a pastor if he stayed that way. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's a great testimony, great story how the Lord saved Pastor Scott many, many, many years ago, before all of us were born. Well, maybe I was born. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yes, Chris. Right. And just be wanting to share that and, 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 and for someone like that age and then even my age to see our pastor um, you know, still humbled by that by that truth was was really unique and uh, Yeah. Not yeah that common in Yeah, that's a great point. It's not common in, in Christians. You know, we went to Trevor and Abby's wedding yesterday and one thing that they said about the young man, the husband, Trevor, was that he, he, he just can't get over the fact that the Lord saved him. You know, and so, so he, ha- he hasn't been saved as long as Pastor Scott, but you see the same thing in Pastor Scott, who's been saved for you know, many, 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 many years, and he still can't get over that the Lord died for him because he loved him and, and paid for his sins, right? He, he still can't get over that Jesus Christ was his, what, scapegoat. Right? Um, so, yeah, Chris is right. You, you hear Pastor Scott's testimony often, and you can just, you can just sense that. So, yeah, great Q&A with, with Pastor Scott. I'm grateful that, um, that he took a break from the pulpit last Sunday, so I grabbed him and said, you're, you're coming with us. You're, you're, I want to take a break from the pulpit, and, and we'll, we'll do a Q&A with you. So that was great. Yes, Mr. James. It's recorded, okay. Yeah, if you missed it, uh, give Mr. James your email and he'll find a way to, to send it. Um, again, we, it's rare for you know, Sunday school or fellowship groups or ministries to get their senior pastor because he's always busy, right? So that was just a sweet treat. Um, I'd, give up, I'd give up any Sunday <laughs> to, to have him here. So that was a blessing for, for us. Well, I hope you haven't forgotten what book the Bible we've been studying. You guys remember what book of the Bible? Mark. Mark. Do you guys remember which chapter? 13. Chapter 13. Yeah, we've been studying the Gospel of Mark, and we started chapter 13 six weeks ago. And my, my, my hope when we started chapter 13, because before chapter 13, we also had a, a long break, right, was that I would just do all chapter 13 and three, you know, back-to-back-to-back Sundays, but, but the first Mark 13 was six weeks ago, so I'm going to have to reintroduce Mark chapter 13 to you this morning. So make sure you have your handout, and we'll go through, through those uh, overviews real quick since it's been a while. So the main theme of Mark chapter 13, so make sure you have your Bible and open to Mark chapter 13. The main theme, okay, if you're, looking at, if you're looking at a verse, if you're looking at a sentence, if you're looking at a paragraph in your Bible, if you're looking at a chapter in your Bible, if you're looking at a book in your Bible, or if you're looking at the Bible, it's helpful to train yourself and say, okay, what is the main theme? 
right? What is the, the number one main theme of what this author's talking about? In, in, in Mark chapter 13, what's the main theme? The fancy word that I taught you that you guys can use to sound smart? Eschatology, which, which means what, Rachel? The study of the end times, right? You guys take biology, right? The study of life, right? Anthropology, the study of man. Eschatology, the study of the end times, meaning what's going to happen in the end or towards the end or as we get near the end. So that's the main theme of chapter 13. The main lesson, okay, the so what, right? Okay, if I, if I ask you, okay, uh, you just sat through Pastor's, Pastor Roy's uh, three-week study of chapter 13. What, what is it about? Oh, eschatology, mom and dad. Okay, so what does that, what does that, has, you know, what does that have to do with you? You know, how does that affect you? What lessons, what life lessons can you get out of that? Well, you need to know how to answer that question. So here's the main lesson, and we spent some time on this last time. Jesus describes what we can expect in the last days, okay, in the future days, so that we will know how to what? Live faithfully in the present day, okay? Uh, people call this ethical eschatology or, or moral eschatology. Is we're, we're not we're not diving into Mark chapter thirteen just so that you know what's going to happen in the future. Future just so that you know what to expect in the future. But it has to affect how you live today. Okay, it has to affect how you live today. If you know that you're going to die tomorrow, right? If you know that Jesus Christ is going to come back tomorrow, do you think you'll live differently today? I hope so. Do you think you'll even sleep tonight if you know that you're going to die tomorrow or Jesus Christ is going to come back tomorrow? No. No, so it has to affect how you live. Okay, that's, that's the main lesson of eschatology. That's the main lesson of chapter 13. Okay, Jesus is going to describe what we can expect in the future days to come so that we will know how to live faithfully, okay, as Christians, devoted and committed to Jesus Christ uh, right now, today, in the present day. And I gave you a, a simple breakdown of chapter 13 last time. You can see it right there, three, three sections. Three sections. You have the, the not yet signs of the end, Right, we talked about that last time, six weeks ago. The not yet signs of the end. They are signs, but they are the not yet signs of the end. This morning, we're going to look at the signs of the end. Okay, the signs of the end. Things that, that, that haven't happened yet. And then, Lord willing, next Sunday, we'll look at the second coming of Jesus. Okay, the second coming of Jesus. So, six weeks ago, I gave you the four... I don't know if I included it. Well, if you have your notes from six weeks ago, you'll, you'll, you'll have it. The four not yet signs of the end, right? We, Jesus said that the temple is going to be destructed, right? It, it's going to be destroyed, right? They, they left the temple. They went up on the Mount, Mount of Olives, and then they're looking at the, at the temple. And, and Jesus says, yeah, that, that's not going to be around. That's going to be destroyed, which, which, which happened uh, later on. And then the second not yet sign of the end was religious uh, fake or re rel religious counterfeit, right? And Jesus, Jesus told the disciples, don't be misled. That's going to happen. 
Don't be misled. The temple is going to be destroyed. Don't be surprised. Right? Number three, there are going to be global chaos, global tragedies, earthquakes, and, and all those things. And Jesus, and Jesus told them, don't be frightened. Don't be frightened. That's going to happen. You need to expect those things. And then the fourth not yet sign of the end was Christian persecution. Right? Christian persecution. Brother will betray brother to death. Father his child. Children will rise up against his parents and put them to death. You will be hated. Verse 13, Jesus was telling the disciples, You will be hated by all because of my name, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. So Jesus was telling the disciples, Guys, these are coming, and you are to expect them, and they are normal, but don't be, don't be surprised, don't be misled, don't be frightened, don't be worried. These are the not yet signs of the end. Right? Look at verse 7. Okay, go back up to verse 7. Chapter 13, verse 7. Look at how Jesus described all of those events that we already looked at six weeks ago. He said that these things are not yet the end. Right? But that is not yet the end. The, the, the last phrase there in verse 7. Go to verse 8. Verse 8. He describes these things as what? The beginning of birth pangs, right? What other term did I use to describe birth pangs last time? What's that? Braxton Hicks. Braxton Hicks. Who here has ever felt Braxton Hicks before? <laughs> Mr. Plummer. No, that's indigestion. Yeah, Braxton Hicks, right? You guys remember, that's a, I think that's a great... Uh, illustration of what Jesus is saying here. These things are like birth pangs, Braxton Hicks contractions, c contractions that, that pregnant moms can expect way before the babies do, you know, nine months. Right? They can, they can start feeling Braxton Hicks at any time before the babies do. And, the, and, and, they, and you know, the, the stomach might get hard. Sometimes it's a little bit painful, but it's, it's not painful in it's not as painful in comparison to the real contractions when you get to the nine month mark and you're at the hospital and you're saying this this these are no Braxton Braxton Hicks give me the epidural right the baby is coming right if you have Braxton Hicks you might be able you might say ah you know I still have three months to go I'm just I'm still gonna go to work today and teach it's just Braxton Hicks normal stuff you can expect those stuff you can you, you you'll be fine but Jesus is saying here that those things, okay, in verses 1 all the way through 13, those things are normal. You are to expect them. The disciples face them. We're facing them today. And Jesus says those things are not yet the signs of the end. They are merely birth pangs, right? The baby's not due yet. <laughs> the real contractions are not here yet. So, this morning, though, as we transition, look at verse 14. What's the first word in verse 14? But, which is a word of what? Is it a simile? What is it? Contrast, right? Contrast. Jesus is saying, guys, these things are normal. You need to expect these things. And, um, and these are not yet the end signs. These are just birth pangs. The baby's not due yet. But, Jesus says, but, when the real 
contractions happen, right? When you're at the hospital, right, and, and it's your due date or past your due date, you know that the baby's coming, you're going you're gonna to go through some painful, probably the most pain that you'll ever feel kinds of contractions. And that's what we're going to look at this morning from verse 14 all the way down to verse 23. Look at verse 24. Actually, um, verse 26, right? Verse 26. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. That's Jesus Christ's second coming. So, so the, 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 first, the, the, the first third of chapter 13, the, just not yet signs of the end. Things that we're facing right now. The last part is Jesus Christ's second coming. So what's in the middle? The middle is, are, are those contractions that you're going to start going through. The worst, thing that, the worst thing ever for you. The most painful thing ever for you. And, but right after that, Jesus Christ comes back. Okay? That's the, that's the flow of this chapter. So look... Look at your, your handout. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole thing uh, right now. I'll, I'll, we'll read section by section as we go through the outline. Verses 14 through 23, Jesus is giving us two signs of the end that you must understand. Okay, six weeks ago, right? Four not yet signs of the end. Okay, things that, you, that the disciples faced, they saw the destruction of the temple, they, they saw persecution, they felt the earthquakes, they, they, they felt all those things, and we're feeling all those things today. Now, when you get to this tra- uh, contrast transition of but, now we're going to look at a future event, okay, the signs of the end. So I'm calling this two signs of the end, but then I'm also adding that you must understand, because look at verse 14. Okay, in the middle there. Jesus says, let the reader what? Understand. Right? Which is interesting because people today, Christians today, when they hear that big word eschatology, they're like, oh, we can never understand eschatology. It's too complicated, and it is. It's too difficult, and it is difficult, but it doesn't mean you can't understand it. Doesn't mean that you can know every single thing about eschatology that's not in the Bible. No. But you can understand everything that that you see in the Bible that pertains to eschatology. Jesus says it right there. Let the reader understand. So you need to understand, right? I needed to understand so that I could teach it to you. So Two signs of the end that you must understand, okay? Understanding is different than knowing every single little detail, okay? Like if you ask me something, you know, oh, who are the, you know, who are, what is the mark of the beast? I, I, I'll tell you, like, I don't really know. It doesn't mean that I don't understand eschatology. Yes? So why did you say, let the reader understand? Wasn't he talking to his disciples? Yes, interesting, right? But he knew that Mark would write it and that people would what? Read it. it. And he knew that us today, 2,000 years later, would what? Read it. Okay? Some people say that, oh, you know, I think that's not from Jesus, so let's let's put that command in parentheses. In my Bible, that, that's in the parentheses. I, I disagree with that. I think if you go back to the original, it's right there. It just flows out of what Jesus just said. 
So I think Jesus was teaching his disciples right there on the Mount of Olives about eschatology, but he's also prepping the people who would be reading the Gospel of Mark later on, including us today. Okay? So here's the first sign. The first sign of the end that you and I must understand. Future tribulation, and I'll explain these things in a little bit. Future tribulation of the Jewish people. Future tribulation of the Jewish people. You probably heard of that word tribulation. Uh, I, I know you know who the Jewish people are, right? They go all the way back in the Old Testament. And I think you, can, you know what the word future is. This is still to come. Okay? Tribulation means trial or, um, or, or pressure you know, or, uh, or difficulties. That's that word tribulation. So this is future for the Jewish people. Look at verse 14. And we'll spend a lot of time in verse 14, but then after that, everything will just flow through, okay? Verse 14, but when you see the abomination of desolation, okay, don't, don't, don't get uncomfortable and you're like, ah, oh, see, I, don't, I already don't understand this. <laughs> you know, what is this, abomination, desolation? But we will understand it. I'll help you understand it. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, let the reader understand. Stop right there. We'll cover the, the, the rest of verse 14 in a little bit. Guys, this is a very important verse, okay, because you have something that's unfamiliar, abomination, desolation, and then you have Jesus commenting, you better understand what that is. So, so let's do that, okay? Let's, let's, let's try to understand what Jesus just said here. So I think I gave you some questions um, there in the ha handout. Number one, what is it? Okay, that's, these are just the questions that I started asking when I was studying this. Again, I was trying to understand what Jesus was talking about, so I started asking questions, right? Bible study is really what? Observation. And observation comes from asking questions and answering those questions, finding answers from the Bible. So what is it, I ask? Well, you can't tell this in your English Bible, but the word uh, abomination of desolation is a person. Okay, it kind of sounds like a, a thing, an event, but it's, it's really a person. How do I know that? Well, well, the, well the, uh, just a little bit of grammar here. The participial verb, standing, Okay, it's participle because it ends with an I-N-G, walking, standing, right? But it's a verb because it's an action word, right? So that word in the original language is in the masculine form. We don't do that in the English, right? We don't have, we don't have, we, we don't have gender in our verbs in the English, but, but in the Greek they do, which is very helpful because it shows you who's doing the acting and what kind of person is doing the acting. It's a, if, if it's a feminine verb, then it, a, a, a woman is doing it, a she is, is doing it, right? If it's a masculine verb, then it's a masculine man, <laughs> or a man. Maybe he's not so masculine, but it's a man, right? So I believe that the abomination of desolation, that title, okay, is given to a person, a man, okay? So here's the next question I ask. What is he going to be like? Okay, he's a man, he's a person, okay, but what is he going to be like? Well, look at his, his title, his name, Abomination of Desolation. That describes his character, okay, that describes who he is. 
The word abomination means to commit a sinful act that's so that's super offensive. That's kind of how I describe it. You know, you can say you can, you can say indecent, you can say foul, despicable, but but I just call it super offensive. That's that's the word abomination. Okay, if you if you if you uh, commit this sin, it's like the worst thing that you'll ever commit. It's an abomination, super offensive to God. Okay, indecent act, very despicable. So he's characterized by abomination, and then also desolation. Okay, that means to completely demolish something. Okay, to completely obliterate, to, it, that, that when you see that place or when you see that thing after it's been uh, desolated, it's, it's run down and ruined is the picture. Okay, so this man, okay, that Jesus is calling the abomination of desolation, a person, a man, he is going to be super wicked and super violent. Okay, super wicked, super violent kind of man. So that begs the next question. So what is he going to do? Right? What is this guy going to do? This super wicked, super violent guy. What is he going to do? Well, we don't have time to go there, but but uh, if you go to if you go to the parallel uh, account in Matthew, Matthew says the same thing. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where it should not be, uh, written from the book of Daniel, which gives us a clue that who else talked about the abomination of desolation before the Gospels? Daniel did, right? Daniel did. And if you have cross-references on the, uh, the side of your Bible or at the bottom, you'll see those three Daniel passages. Okay, if you don't, that's fine, I'll give them to you. Okay, uh, Daniel talked about the abomination and desolation three times. Okay, so Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Okay, you can write that down. And I want you, because we don't really have time to go there. Okay, that's like another three-part sermon. Okay, so write down Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. Daniel, Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. And then Daniel chapter 12, verse 11. So 9:27, so, so this, so when we see it here, the abomination and desolation, it's not the first time that we're introduced to the abomination and desolation. It goes all the way back in the prophecy of Daniel. Okay? One of those three passages in Daniel was already for, fulfilled 170 years before Jesus Christ came to earth. Okay, so, so you can kind of just cross out chapter 11, verse 31 of Daniel, uh, because that's already fulfilled. That already hap happened. Somebody did come 170 years before Jesus Christ, who was an abomination. He went into the temple, did something that was an abomination to God, and desolated it. Okay, that happened. And chapter 11 of Daniel was clear about that. Now you're left with the two other ones, right? Chapter 9, verse 27, and chapter 12, verse 11. Those two other passages of the abomination and desolation by Daniel, they, ha they haven't been fulfilled yet because they're forward-looking. They're future. Okay, they're still future. And, and I'll give you the summary of, of those two uh, passages from Daniel. They, they, they both talk about the future event called the tribulation. Have you guys heard of that? The seven-year tribulation? Yeah, yeah. If you, which makes sense because 
when you look at chapter 13 of Mark, okay, look at chapter 13 of Mark, uh, verse 19, right? For those days will be a time of what? Tribulation, right? Look, go down to verse 24. But in those days, after that tribulation, okay? Again, tribulation, trials, difficult times, very intense um, uh, trials and difficulties. So Daniel mentions the tribulation in those two passages that haven't been fulfilled in chapter 9 and chapter 12, and it's called the seven-year tribulation. And here's the summary of the seven-year tribulation. Okay, I'll just give you a summary. You can read, again, you can read Revelation, you can read Daniel, you'll see the seven-year tribulation explained there, but here, here's the snippet of what's going to happen in those seven years, right? So, seven-year tribulation, it's future, it's still to come, we haven't gone through it, right? The abomination desolation, again, the person, okay, a guy, very wicked, right, super wicked, super violent, right? The abomination of desolation, that guy shows up in Jerusalem, he's going to show up in Jerusalem, right, in Israel, as the nice guy. He probably, he probably wouldn't have that badge, the abomination and desolation, you know, like he, he probably wouldn't have that. He's going to show up as Mr. Nice Guy, Mr. Cool Guy, okay? And people wouldn't know that he would be the abomination and desolation. And he's going to establish a peace treaty with Israel, right? He's going he's gonna to offer peace with Israel. And the Jews, that's why I think uh, the seven-year tribulation is specifically for the Jewish people, and the Jews are going to believe him. They're going to say, oh yeah, you know, this is great. We've been wanting uh, national peace. So you're going to bring that, Mr. Nice Guy? Okay, we, we want that. So, so that's going to happen, and for some time, everything's going to be great. Everyone's going to be happy, best Israel ever, right, because of this guy. But then all of a sudden, right in the middle of the seven-year tribulation mark, right in three and a half mark in the middle, this guy, the abomination desolation, takes off his mask. He's like, ah, I'm not Mr. Nice Guy. He shows his badge. I'm actually the abomination desolation. I'm super wicked and I'm super violent, right? And he, what he's going to do, if you, you can read this in, in those passages in Daniel, what he's going to do is he's going to place himself in the temple, a rebuilt temple in the future, He's going to sit in the throne. He's going to proclaim himself to be God. He's going to force people to worship him. And he's going to wage war to those who do not worship him. And he ends up murdering tons of people. That's the abomination of desolation. That's the person. And that's what he is going to do in the future in those seven-year event, in that seven-year event event called the tribulation. Question number four, right? Question number four. So I went to Daniel. I went to Revelation. Now my next question is, okay, has this happened yet? Has this happened yet? And the, the, the brief answer is no. This hasn't happened yet. It's still a future event. Go back to Mark chapter 13. Look at how Jesus describes this event in verse 19, okay? I think I, we already read this. Verse 19, for those days, okay, the days when the abomination and desolation is in Jerusalem, in the temple, in Israel, with the Jewish people, okay? For those days will be a time of tribulation such has not occurred since the beginning of the creation, which goes back to what book of the Bible? 
winter camp, remember Genesis, right? Since the beginning of creation, which God created until what? Until now, during their time, and never will. Very specific. Okay? So Jesus is saying, guys, this, this is worse than the global flood thousands, years, thousands of years ago in Genesis chapter 7. This is worse than Hitler's Holocaust back, you know, 80 years ago from our day to day. And it will not even come close to all of those things. And it's going to be the, it's going to be the worst thing ever. That's why it's called the tribulation. That's why you have someone who's doing an abomination and desolating. Guys, this is scary stuff. Okay, I, I, I mean, I haven't even read to you all the things that will happen, right? I just described to you what this guy was going to do and how he's going to do it. But this is, this is scary. And Jesus says, let the reader understand. What's the point, right? What's the point, guys? Back to the main, main lesson of eschatology. What's the point? So that you and I will what? live differently today, right? There are a lot of people who, who have different views, okay? This has happened or this hasn't happened. The tribulation is not going to happen or the tribulation is going to happen. Jesus Christ is going to come back at this time. No, this time. The, really, the point is that knowing all these things should change how you live today, right? It should change how you live today. It should change how you think about dating, about school, about college, about your Bible reading, how you relate to your friends, your parents. It should, it, should, it should provoke your heart if you are a Christian. It should change you today. Okay, if you're saying, man, that's scary. That abomination, desolation, man, it's a person and to have that kind of name to do all that stuff, that's scary. And then you clock out of my sermon this morning, you go to lunch, and then it doesn't change how you live, then you miss the point. You miss the point. So here's the next question, okay? So he's a guy, a person. He's going to be characterized as an abomination desolation. What is he going to do? He's going to be the main guy in the seven-year tribulation. It hasn't happened yet. How should the people respond? Okay, the people who would, again, we don't know when this is going to happen, right? We don't know when this is going to happen, but when this happens, those people who are going to be alive and present during that time, what should they do, right? What should they do? Continue watching Netflix? Like, probably not, right? Probably not. That's why, look at verse 14. Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolation, okay, standing where it should not be, inside the temple, okay? And he's about to commit an abominable act, okay? The most wicked thing, okay? In the temple, in God's temple. And he's going to, he's about to desolate it, okay? When you see that, as soon as you see that, Jesus says, your first immediate response is to flee, okay? You run for your life, Jesus says. Run for your life. Flee to the mountains. Right? And hide. Right? The second half of verse 14. Then those who are in Judea, because the temple is going to be there, the abomination and the desolation is going to be there, right? Because it's for the Jewish people, right? Because it's the tribulation for them, 
right? God is punishing the Jewish nation, the Jewish people for their unbelief that's been going on since Genesis, since Abraham, right? This is, this is their, for their purification. This is for their salvation. This is for their discipline. That's why it's there. That's why it's in Israel. That's why it's in the temple. That's why it's in the Judea. That's why this first immediate response is for those people in that place. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Flee to the mountains and do what? And hide is the point. Hide. And Jesus says, you better do this fast, right? Look at verse 15. You better do this fast. When you see this, the first thing you do is you book it to the mountains so that you can hide. And you do that really fast because verse, verse 15 the one who is on the housetop must not go down, okay? Or go, in, or go in back to their house to get anything out of the house. Okay, houses in Jerusalem are, are, are different than what we're used to here. They, they, they have flat roofs and they're right next to each other. They're built right next to each other, right? They didn't have a porch, they didn't have a nice, you know, uh, fake grass like we do where they could hang out and look at their concrete block wall, you know? Um, they didn't have that. You know, they, they, they had flat roofs, and that's where they would hang out. They would hang out on the flat roofs. That's why David was there, and he saw who? Bathsheba. They did a lot of things on their flat roofs because all the houses are right next to each other. Okay? So they would hang out on the flat roof. So Jesus is saying, Jesus is saying when you see the abomination desolation doing what it's about to do, what he's about to do, you don't even go downstairs and get your charger for your iPhone. You don't, even, you don't even do that. You don't even do that. When you see the abomination desolate, desolation, des, desolating the temple, this is how I pictured it, you know. I'm, um, if I had extra time, I would, I would train to be a parkour person. You guys know what parkour is? <laughs> the ladies do, the guys don't. You know it? Okay, it's like those guys, gymnastic wannabe guys who like jump from, from you know, pole to pole to like second floor to the first floor to the ground floor and like tumble and like, you know, all those things. And, they, and, and it seems like they're not, they don't get hurt because they just roll around the, in the ground and then jump again. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, that's parkour, right? So this would be like, this, when you see the abomination desolation, you go parkour mode. Like, you don't go downstairs, you just... You get a head start, you know, the flat, flat, flat roof of your house. You go, you jump, you tumble, you go from, you know, Miss, Mrs. Johnson's house and to Mr. Johnson's roof, and you just go from one roof to the other until you get to the edge of the city of Jerusalem, to, to, to the edge, and then you book it up in the mountains and you hide in the caves. That's the point. That's the point here. If you're home, you're, you're to do that. If you're home, you just jump from one roof to the next until you get to the edge of the city, you climb up the mountains, and you hide for your life because the abomination and desolation is here. Now, if you happen to be at work, it's a little different, right? Here's what you're to do. Look at, look at verse 16. And the one who is in the field, okay, they're working. They're not home. They're not on the roof. Must not turn back to get his coat. It's the same thing, right? It's urgency. Run for your life. Flee to the mountains and hide. It would be like this. I was thinking of you guys, you know, you're, you're on shift, you know, Chick-fil-A, right? And you see the abomination desolation. Who cares how long the drive-thru line is? 
you, you're out of there. You don't, you don't even say, oh, let me clock out, sir. No, you don't clock out. You just run, right? You don't say, my pleasure. Forget that. You're out of Chick-fil-A. You're going to the mountains. You're hiding because the abomination, desolation, the scariest person you'll ever meet is here. That's the point. The goal is urgency. If you're home, you go hide. If you're at work, you leave. You don't even go home and get a coat. You don't even change, right? You smell like fried chicken, you know, Chick-fil-A smell. You don't even go home and get change. You go straight and hide. You go to the bunker. You go, not here. I probably wouldn't come here. You hide. The goal is urgency. Get away as fast as you can from the abomination of desolation. Now, here's the sad part. Some people won't be able to parkour roof to roof, won't be able to run as fast as young people can. Like verse 17, look at verse 17. But woe, or, or, or feel sorry, or feel, feel bad. Woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. Why? Because they won't be able to flee as fast as other people. I think Jesus adds that detail there, not only to say, hey, this is an urgent thing, but also this is a wicked thing that's about to happen. So Jesus says, when you see the abomination desolation, when you see this future tribulation happens, the first thing you do is you flee. The second thing that you do is you pray. Look at verse 18. But pray that it may not happen in the winter. Why? Why do you think Jesus would say that? If the goal is urgency, if the goal is get away as fast as you can. And he says, oh, I hope this doesn't happen in the winter. Why? What's that? Yes, yeah, snow, rain, cold weather. The point is that pray that, that when this happens, that there's no additional hindrance to your fleeing. Right? I hope it's not raining, it's not muddy, it's not snowy, it's not icy, it's not slippery because you want to get out of there as fast as you can. This is how bad the abomination desolation is. So why flee? Why pray? Look at verse 19. For those days, okay, because those days will be a time of tribulation, again, trials, difficulties to, to the max, such as has not occurred since the beginning of the creation, which God created until now and never will. This is a one-time event, worst thing that will ever happen. You can read more uh, about this future tribulation of, of the Jewish people in Revelation chapters 6 through 16. Okay, You can write that down, you can read that. Chapters 6 through 16 of Revelation. But let me just read to you a, a, a few uh, details from John, okay, who wrote Revelation, describing the tribulation time that's coming in the future. Let me just read a few. A great earthquake that uh, will devastate Earth's topography. John said that after this earthquake, you, wouldn't, you, you can't even tell if it's, you know, if it's America. You can't even tell if it's Arizona. You know, that's how bad the earthquake is going to be. Hail and fire will consume a third of Earth's vegetation. A third of the ocean will turn into blood. A third of the lakes and rivers will be poisoned. A third of the sun, moon, and stars will be darkened. 
Demons will be released from the pit to terrorize my, mankind. A third of Earth's population will be killed. Painful and incurable sores will plague people. And darkness will engulf the whole world. That's why Jesus says here in Mark chapter 13, For those days will be a time of tribulation such as has not occurred. Since the beginning, until now, and never will. Students, this is terrifying. Okay? This is terrifying. Again, I hope you're starting to think, okay, I know that's not here yet. I know that's coming. How should I live my life today for the Lord? How am I going to live my life for the Lord tomorrow if He gives me tomorrow? And next week if He gives me next week? Look at the next verse, verse 20. Verse 20, unless the Lord has sh had shortened those days, talking about the tribulation, that's why it's shortened to seven years. If it went longer than seven years, no life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, for the sake of the believers who are going to be present during that, that time, whom he chose, he shortened the days. The point here is God's going to protect his own people through those trials, through those tribulations, protect his people from the abomination of desolation. So that's the first sign of the end, okay, that you must understand. And I, I'm sure you have tons of questions, but I hope that you can say, okay, I, I think I understand it a little bit better, right? And then the more you study, okay, I, I encourage you to read Revelation 6 through 16, that those Daniel passages, right, 9, 11, and 12 chapters. Um, I hope that you understand this more and more and more. So that's the first sign of the end that you must understand. Here's the second one, and this is quick. Future impersonation of Jesus Christ. Future impersonation of Jesus Christ. So the first one was future tribulation of the Jewish people. The second one is future impersonation of Jesus Christ. What do you think I mean uh, by that word impersonation? Yeah, we'll pretend to be like Jesus Christ. Yeah, we'll try to copy him, right? And that's what's going to happen also in the future. And, and it's already happening now. We saw, that, we saw that six weeks ago in the not yet signs of the end, or the signs of the not yet end. Not yet yes, end. yeah, yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? And we, and we see those people now, right? We hear them on the radio. We see them online, right? You, 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 watch, you can watch them on TV. Those people are here already. But this one is a little bit different because look at it, verse 21. And then if anyone says to you, okay, this is still during the time of tribulation. And then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, okay, the Messiah, right, the Savior, or behold, he is right there. Jesus says, do not believe him. Do not believe him. Why? Verse 22. For because false Christ, so not just false teachers, not just fake religions, false Christ, okay, false uh, pe people who are going to pretend that they can save you, which makes sense in the context, right? People are fleeing for their lives, right? Scared to death. 
right? And you have these people who were impersonating Jesus Christ, impersonating specifically his ability to save. Jesus says, do not believe him for false Christ and false prophets will arise and will show. Here's, here's also a unique thing that that's going to be uh, different for those people in the future com- in comparison to today. Will show signs and wonders, meaning they're going to have miraculous powers. Not the fake ones that we see on TV, that stage, right? That peop- they pay people so that when, 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 the, when the preacher goes like this, you know, they all fall down and then they leave the building and they get paid for that, right? Um, and, and then fake Fake people with, you know, faking their diseases and, and ailments show up and then they pretend that they get healed. All of those things are fake. This one, though, is not fake. These people, these, these false Christs and false prophets who are going to show up, they actually have the ability, miraculous power, to show signs and wonders. And guess what? That's going to be believable. That's why Jesus says, in order to lead astray, if possible, even the elect, the Christians who are going to be around during that time. But we know that they won't be able to do that because, like I said, God's going to protect his own people. They might die. They might be included in the thirds population who would physically die, but they're not going to be led astray believing a false Christ or a false prophet. So that's going to happen future impersonation of Jesus Christ, Jesus says, do not believe them. Verse 23, he ends with a warning. But take heed, okay, pay attention. Behold, I have told you everything in advance because Jesus wanted his readers to what? Understand. Let the reader understand. He says, it doesn't mean that you're going to know when I'm coming. It doesn't mean that you're going to know when these things are going to happen. It doesn't mean all those things because I haven't told you those things. But everything that I've told you in advance, those are for your understanding of the end times. Now, you may be asking, okay, great, you know, now I'm scared to death, (laughs) right? So what's the point of me, Pastor Roy, of understanding the signs of the end? What lessons can I get from this passage? Well, let me just give you just two, okay? Two lessons from the signs of the end. Number one, remember that since God is holy, okay, remember that since God is holy, He hates sin and has to punish it. He hates sin and has to punish it. Okay, if you guys have been reading that book by Jerry Bridges, that's been very clear there, right? On our Wednesday night D groups, all of your sin, all of my sin, past, present, and future, will be all laid out at the end, and God will have to deal with them. All of them. All of the sins of the earth, all of the sins of the people. Past, present, future, small, big, whatever categories you may have, all of those sins are going, are, are, need to be dealt by, by God. Why? Because He's holy. Does He ignore one sin? Yes or no? No. Does He sweep it under the rug and just say, ah, that one, just cancel that one. Just erase it, cancel. No. He 
has to deal with every single sin, whether he deals it through his punishment on you because you're not a Christian or on Jesus Christ himself because Jesus Christ is your scapegoat, your substitute. But all sins are going to be dealt with by God. That's why this tribulation here for the Jews is so important because Jesus Christ, God, is not, they're not done with the Jews yet. They are going to be purified at the end. And out of this tribulation, many Jews would believe and be saved. But it has direct application to us. God is holy. He hates sin. He's going to punish sin. All of it. So am I going to have to pay for that for all eternity in hell? Or is it Jesus Christ who's paid it all for me? Number two, second lesson. Unbelievers have every reason to fear the end. Unbelievers have every single reason to fear the end. Believers do not. You're filling it out in advance? <laughs> That's kind of simple, right? Believers do not. If you're not a Christian, okay, listen to me, students. If you're not a Christian today and what you just heard is scaring you, that's normal. Okay, if you're not scared, then you're abnormal. Um, it's normal to be scared to understanding and learning and knowing what the tribulation is going to be like and what that person, abomination, desolation is going to do. But, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to run toward God and say, I'm a wicked sinner. I deserve all those things. I deserve all those things. But I'm, I'm pleading with you. I need your forgiveness through Jesus Christ so that I won't have to fear the end. So you either do that, you run toward God out of your fear of the, the end of punishment. You either run to God or you run away and say, Forget it. You know, Monday's coming. I'm back to my old life. I love sin too much. You, you pick, you choose. If you're a Christian, though, you have no reason to fear this event. Why? Because God, like I said, God is going to protect you. God is going to protect Christians. God is going to protect the church. We don't know what this is, when this is going to happen, but God has promised to protect believers. So that's an encouragement. So if you have any questions about this, let me know. I'm sure you have a lot of questions that I can't answer because there's a lot of things I still don't know about the eschatology. But again, the point is that we understand it more and more, okay? Which, which, should, which should cross the bridge from your mind to your heart, and, and I hope you're going to start saying, okay, this has to affect how I live. This has to affect how I live. I don't know when I'll die. I don't know when Jesus Christ is coming back. I don't even know when this abomination desolation is going to show up. But, but I need to live differently today. I need, I need to live differently today. When you start thinking about eschatology, when you start reading what Daniel and the prophets and Revelation and Jesus in the Gospels um, describe what the end is going to be like, like it, you know, like what I'm going to eat for lunch that I'm that I'm so you know, consumed by, you know, what, what, what type of furniture I'm going to buy from Ikea that consumes me. I'm like, what's the point? You know, like, there's eternity that's coming, <laughs> right? I need, I need to eat, I need to go to school, I need to do those things, but why am I so consumed by those things? What I'm going to wear, what people think of me, you know, I'm starting a new job, I'm so nervous. 
Those things pale in comparison to what eternity is going to bring because that is forever, forever, worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ for saving us from our sins. Okay? All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for Mark chapter 13. I know there's so much here. There's a lot more. But thank you that you help us understand it uh, from your word and from helping our minds to grasp what we're able. I pray that this is helpful to the students. I pray that they would uh, dive into your word to answer more of their questions, but I hope that, that they're not neglecting their hearts. I pray that, that they are repenting and, and trusting in you if they haven't done that. Uh, that's really where security lies, is to know that Jesus Christ has paid for my sin and I am your child, and you're going to protect me, and I'll be with you for all eternity. I pray that's the case for all of these students sitting in this room. Thank you for, uh, for bringing us together, and uh, bless our day today. May we live differently, because we know that this is not where we belong. We know that there's still a future. We know that we're going to spend eternity somewhere else. So I pray that all these details that we just looked at will change how we live today. And I pray that it would be for your glory and it would be for Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, thanks guys. Next week we'll, we'll finish chapter 13.